We play and call it work. Mini Wargamer Dave here from MiniWarGaming.com. Welcome, Wargamers, to another Shrine of Chaos. This week, we're going to be interviewing Nick Nanavati. We had him on a, a few weeks ago discussing some things uh, about him. And now we're going to actually turn the conversation over to the game a little more in terms of 9th edition 40k and what that means for players in general and also players of the tournament scene uh, and mixing it up a bit because myself as a non-tournament player I want to get his perspective on what that means for I'll call it the rest of us the rest of us non-tournament players and what he thinks because uh, this is just my opinion my opinion is that uh, he has a unique perspective about it because uh, he looks at the rules with a different set of lenses than uh, I know certainly I do and perhaps the rest of us do because of uh, the way in which he plays the game, which is uh, unique and different from many of us. So uh, let's get right into that. Uh... Yeah. Nick, how's it going, Nick? Good, Dave. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, great for you to be on the show again. Uh, obviously, Ninth Edition has been revealed in the new box set. Uh, first and foremost, first impressions when you watched the reveal video, what was your reaction when you first saw it? It was really cool. I, they put a lot more Sisters of Battle in that review video than I thought. Obviously, Necrons are kind of going to be the face of the enemy this edition. Yeah. And then Space Marines. They're always going to have Space Marines on the cover. Always. But then, Tag teaming on sisters, I was a big fan, and obviously the graphics and artwork and all that was very cool. Big fan of this preview video. Yeah, uh, same way. I know my wife was particularly excited. She was like, "Dave, I want to play that army." <laughs> so <that laughs> yeah, always good, awesome. good for me to hear that. Uh, but yeah, so back to you for a second. Uh, so some of the stuff that's been revealed in the last few weeks, some of the new rules changes uh, today in particular. Uh, maybe we can jump right into that right away about Overwatch. Sure. Uh, and so. I, my opinion is awesome. I'm so glad to see it. <laughs> Me too. I, I think Overwatch, they, they, they handled it really elegantly. Again, I'm going to come at this from the lens of a competitive player. But Overwatch, to me, just feels like a waste of time in a lot of instances where it's like, I'm just going to fire some bolters that hit on sixes at your card effects and nothing's going to happen, but yeah. we're going to do it anyway. But then sometimes it's like incredibly powerful for like armies like Tau or units like Centurions with all the heavy hurricane bolters and flamers. Yep. There's a lot of different ways to use overwatch so now that you have only the ability to do it one time which makes it a choice yep. and then also cost you cp i think this is a beautiful change i think it's beautiful as well and you know what my, i think my number one most favorite thing about it is that it kind of like rips the heart out of a tau army so oh, well Dave, you are my favorite i hate, tau. I, hate oh, tau so much. I, I just oh, i can't see say this that. it just brings joy to me it's so really much does. oh man i can feel the joy it's palpable like i, I can feel it <laughs> Oh man. Oh. Okay, so a oh. loss for Tau is a win for the rest of us. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Oh man. I, I, we, that's cause for celebration right there. Like when I saw as soon as I saw it, I'm like, Tau. Okay, Tau suck. Yeah, that's just what I thought. Those were my feelings when I saw it. Things do come true. <laughs> but uh but yeah, so like uh I mean it's gonna drastically change how the game works, especially for armies like that, just because like you gotta really pick and choose now, right? It's uh I mean yeah. most of the time it's a waste of time. Right, but there are that there's certain key moments where it's not a waste of time, when you really have to pick and choose now. So, wh how much do you think that affects the game? I think I think it affects it a lot. Let's take it from the perspective of a Tau player. Uh, a lot of Tau players have 
gotten lazy, I'm going to say, not to be offensive, just because they know they have ridiculous Overwatch, and yep. they're just makes them functionally immune to assault armies. Now, you're going to have to play movement and positioning and distance and all those other cool, fun words that require skill to mitigate the other guy charging you instead of just not have buckets of dice and you're going to die on the way in. No one, that's not fun for the opponent. So now it becomes more chess-based in that regard. And there's other units in the game, too, like uh, Admech have their chicken walkers, the iron style or distillery, whatever they're called. They do a full ballistic skill overwatch for one command point. That makes them nearly impossible to charge. You're getting shot by, like, a full unit pumps out 24 autocannon shots. Yeah. No one's charging into that. No. So now it's a choice. It's like, okay... I could charge them with my unit of guardsmen. You can use your full ballistic skill overwatch. In the current rules, you would do that. You would kill my guardsmen, then all of a sudden I'd be hitting you in, and you would just kill them also because your ballistic skills reach the entire phase. Yeah. Whereas now it's like, all right, well, I can spend the CP to overwatch on this guardsman squad, kill them all outright, but that wastes my super awesome overwatch on for... Or that was my only ability to overwatch. And then the big smash captain guy is going to come in and kill me. Yeah. Whereas like, or I could not spend the CP. The guards will tie me up. I can no longer then overwatch because I'll be in engagement range. And the smash captain comes and kills me anyway. It's a lot more of a decision point here. Yeah. Instead of just I auto pick this three up overwatch and everybody just dies. So how much do you think overwatch actually affected the game as a whole beforehand? Like right now, not ninth edition. Right. How much do you think it affects it? I, that's such a hard question to answer because I think, competitively speaking, you need an answer for ridiculous overwatches because certain units do pump it out. Right. But not every army even has access to units that can do ridiculous overwatch. So right. I think it, it's one of those things that either matters not at all, completely yeah. negligible, wasted time, yeah. or it's an enormous crux point of how that matchup is going to play out. Okay. Yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. So. It matters not much at all for majority of armies, except for mm -hmm. those few where they have, where they kind of basically make their skill set. That's one right. of the main things about their army. It's like, oh, we're really good yeah. in Overwatch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Uh, so, okay, that's about the Overwatch. Uh, I just had to get that. <laughs> I had to get it out of the way because I was so happy about it. Happened today. I mean, I'm with you. Let's be current. And you know what? Honestly, I think it'll speed the game up like a good twenty percent. Like. Oh, let's talk about that. In general, why not? my favorite thing about Ninth Edition is how much more approachable they're making the game. And this, I, I'm a professional 40k player, and I, when people ask me, Nick, Nick, what do you do? And I have to explain to them. Yep. Sometimes I get follow-up questions like, oh, how do you play 40k? Which I have to explain what it is. And when I explain, like, it's a three-hour game, that's a turnoff. Nobody wants that. <laughs> so now if I get to be like, it's an hour-and-a-half game because the board is smaller, you points are going up across the, the game, and then they're just cutting the fat, you know? Hopefully yeah. there's going to be less rerolls, no overwatch every five seconds, things like that. Um, no bending over every five minutes to check your line of sight. You kind of, like, have line of sight or you don't. All that stuff is awesome yep. for making the game more approachable to a new player, which I love. Yeah, that's true, too. I, I like that perspective. Uh, let's see. Harlequins can now charge and not have to worry about the bolters ripping through them. Uh, that's very true. Says James Daly. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I'm working on some Harlequins. You can't see that at all. He's cool. He's pretty. I'm telling you. Just trust me. <laughs> I see. I see uh, lots of colors on a blurry clown. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which again, very cool that you paint. You paint your armies like I love. I love that. That's that's yeah. Good I actually do a daily paint stream now for the Art of War uh, every day at 3 p.m. Eastern time on our Twitch channel, Twitch.tv/slash AOW40K. We just hang out, paint talk some crap so if you guys want to hang out 
that's where to go. And just so you guys know as well, uh, there are links to Nick's channels and his Art of War website uh, in the video description of this live stream. So whether you're watching it on YouTube or Twitch or Facebook, uh, you can access his stuff there. Uh, it'll also be on the live rec- on the recording afterwards, and so you can uh, check out his stuff. And I'll mention it again at the uh, at the end of the stream. So sounds good. Um, okay, so so just this is a another question that I have for you. Uh, what 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 sticks out to you out of the new rules that have dropped, right? And obviously, not all of the rules have come in, so this might be a, a right. challenging question. But just your initial uh, your mind, where where does your mind go? Where, where <laughs> so, you, where you, so, like, uh, like I'm gonna try to just answer this. Like, I okay, yeah, at. I think so, you know what I'm asking you, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Kind of in order of the of the changes we got. One of the first changes we learned about is the new board size. Yeah. So it's gone from seventy two by forty eight six by four to a sixty by forty four or five by three and two thirds. I don't know why they picked those numbers, but um, what that means is that terrain density is going to go up because if you think about it, yep. people have the terrain that they have. It's all ready for a six by four. Yeah. And now they're playing on a five by three and a half. So if they don't take terrain off, and I don't think GW recommends it based on the sample board they gave, it's pretty much the same amount of terrain. Yeah. The board is just more cluttered with terrain, a lot denser. So that's a lot better for for the combat armies are trying to get in line of sight. The board is smaller, there's less distance to traverse, yep. there's less distance between you and the enemy, and there's more places to hide. And it's a lot worse for like the direct line of sight shooting armies that are like, just gonna table you turn one because they went first and blasted your army off the board. So. I personally hate that play style, so I am all okay with this. The the shooting, just gun line type play style. I, I'm, um, I'm with you there. Yeah, yeah. Similarly, to, to get more analytical on it, because there's more terrain density, armies like knights or vehicle-heavy factions, they are going to struggle more to maneuver around the board because they can't really just walk through walls. They're not infantry, assuming that doesn't change. Right. So they have to. it's very going to be easy to bottleneck them or move block them or any of those types of things, which could be a huge detriment to compensate for that. They've also buffed vehicles a fair bit, which I think is an enormous change. Yeah. I played a, we're starting to play games on my Twitch channel and in our warm streams where we implement the new rules as we get them. So I've been playing on a new board for about two weeks now and count some of the new rules too. Vehicles definitely feel like they play the way vehicles should play. If that makes sense. Yeah. Or is right, right now it's stupid that a gaunt touches my Lehman Rouse and my Lehman Rouse just, just sad about it yeah. it's really not fun right uh, it's dumb that all my vehicles that are like mobile gun platforms suffer a penalty for moving and shooting it would incentivize me to never move never moving is stupid yes yeah. like exactly what i don't want i want this game to be more like chess not like roll a dice to see who wins yeah so um they it's kind of they've, they've balanced it in a weird way where they've made vehicles worse because they've made line of sight blocking terrain increase relative to the board right. they made the smaller so it's easier to engage them yeah. and the terrain density is higher so it's hard to maneuver them but they've made it better in that you can now move in no penalty so it lets you get those angles around the terrain it lets you shoot into close combat to some degree so you do get in close combat because the guy starts closer to you that's your counteraction there yeah. it's a very good way to balance the game out i think because the if you're going to make the board smaller it is not simply let's chop a foot off it has a lot of ramifications so it's a Absolutely. great way to balance that out yeah I like I I like what you said there. How it, it feels it feels like a shift as opposed to a buff. 
because uh, they don't just make it better, right? It's like, okay, we, we made it better in this aspect, but it's also more difficult in that aspect. And, and I love that because it changes yeah, the way. And it, it uh, and takes out the things that were dumb and it adds things that you always wanted there to be. Kind of like the shooting. Yeah, like I said, it feels like vehicles play the way they're supposed to now. Yeah. And so do you do you anticipate a lot more vehicles on the board or kind of just the same amount in ratio to everything else? So it entirely depends on what the points end up looking like, because what I've heard is the ninth edition is going to repoint the entire game. Yep. Whether or not that's, you know, vehicles are going up in power here, but the board is going to cut bounce out. If everything kind of just relatively goes up the same, let's call it 10%, 20%, there's just less stuff on the table. I think you'll see more vehicles to today's amount of vehicles that you see, competitively speaking, of course, um, just because they are much more playable. Back currently in competitive 40k, being touched and just turning your vehicle off is such a liability that you simply just don't see vehicles unless they have the flag keyword or something like that. Yeah. So like Lehman Russ's, the Admech faction, well, they just got buffed, but prior to the Admech faction just getting a psychic awakening, these things were just never seen. Predators, I can't tell you last time I saw a predator on the table. Like being able to give those units life again. And in unique ways too, like a Lehman Russ with heavy flame responses is actually a viable choice now. Instead of why would I ever take my heavy flamers? My one tank wants to be seventy-two inches away, not anywhere near you. Yeah. And if it does get near you, it's screwed. Like heavy flamers aren't saving it. That's now a good tank that you might use as a different unit style. So instead of having your Lehman Russ sitting really, really far back, just padding away with this battle can, you might actually drive it forward using it as a mobile gun platform with this battle can, and then if it happens to get in close combat, boom, I got flamers. Go yeah. Screw yourself. And using it as a durable screen in some regard. You know, I'm particularly excited for Bell Predators and Blood Angels. Yeah, yeah. With their I'm very excited for Salamanders, personally. That there's your flamers, right? Flamers and Melters, right? I'm a big fan of flamers. Yeah. So, because like, as you said, very rare you see tanks like that, and doing this uh campaign with my wife the slow grow and she's collecting blood angels she got a as per the suggestion of the audience actually because we did polls for this and there was ridiculous there was about ten thousand votes on bring a bell predator and so <laughs> okay awesome. all right we're gonna do it because it's very blood angels to do that right it's lore appropriate and so yeah. we did it and she loves it she loves the the predator right and uh, it's so fun. this is the second podcast type recording interview thing i've done this week and I've used ball predators have come up in conversation both times organically. And I don't think in the past two years, I've heard the word ball predator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's a thing that is going to happen. And here's the thing, right? Uh, let's see. I have four. I want to say I have four. It's either three or four. Uh, let's be optimistic. Let's say we have four uh, mm. that I haven't used in years. It's been <laughs> yeah, years. Yeah. just sitting on the shelf. Right. So now Absolutely. it's like, Okay, good. But you know, it, it's also things like I was looking at my Tyran effects with an acid spray. Like, all of a sudden, this is viable again. Like, <laughs> what, what even is that? I bet half this chat doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound uh, overly familiar in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. That's my point, though. It's going to bring, oh, hopefully, it brings so much life into all these units. So what does that mean for the staple units that you see a lot? Uh, do you continue to see them, see less of them? What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think, and this is a mistake that I, I try to teach my coaching clients away from, and I try to instill in everyone who listens to me, that we are not taking 8th edition and adding a couple rules to it. 
We are ninth is while mechanically it might be the same, it has to be the same for keeping the codex and psychic awakenings. It has enough small changes across the whole game where fundamentally it is a different game as far as what's good and what's bad, I should say. So you can't look at it through the lens of, well, this is a stereotypical space marine list, or this is a stereotypical talus that people, a net list, if you have, if you will. Um, and let's just adjust it. No, it's, it's throw that out the window, start from scratch, especially because everything is getting repoints adjusted. Right. Yeah. So just look at it with a new frame of mind. New fresh set of eyes. Now you can, then this is where the difficulty comes from my job as a coach. It's like, how do I coach people on rules that I don't even know? No one knows. And it's, I focus more on your gaming knowledge and your understanding and your analytical skills of breaking down rules and understanding interactions. So right now I'm coaching people on reading a board state, like who's winning, who's losing, that kind of stuff. Regardless of what the actual rules interactions are, we don't need to know the small minutia. We can focus on who's got board control, who's got a superior position on the objectives, who's got is the other guy deep striking and charging? Does the other guy have screens for that? Like that kind of stuff. Right. So there's a comment here from YouTube. Uh, it says, this is from Pete Emmy or Petite Emmy. Uh, mm-hmm. It feels like flamers are getting a bit weaker overall in ninth compared to how everything is changing unless they get a proper flamer keyword that does something. What are your thoughts on that? Yes or no? I don't see flamers getting weaker. I mean, I think they... Unless they get a flamer keyword, they're going to remain exactly the same, which, to be fair, is not that powerful right now. But flamers on vehicles are going to be a lot more useful because specifically vehicles are a lot more powerful. Yeah. They don't mind getting tied in close combat, so that just makes that a viable option. So, like, are you going to see, like, five-man tactical squads with a flamer running around? Probably not. That's still not the best choice you could make. But does it open up things like the Ball Predator to potentially be useful? Something like a Plague Burst Crawler those dual plague spitter things with all the new death guard rules that just got leaked. That's super powerful stuff potentially. Yeah, that's true. Uh, okay. So let's see if somebody said, uh, they mentioned three redemptor dreads with a master of the forge will be viable. Maybe vehicles getting overwatch in their shooting phase and transports protecting infantry will be a new norm. It could definitely be. I've heard, um, the Dreadnoughts are coming back in a big way. And one of the biggest problems with the Redemptor specifically is that it's a relatively short-range vehicle that suffers the penalty for moving and shooting. Right. That's what many Dreadnoughts do. Dreadnoughts of all vehicles, why the hell would they suffer the penalty for moving and shooting? I know. So, you think they'd be used to it, right? Right. It's literally their job. So now that they don't suffer that penalty, the board is smaller, so they get that shorter-range 30-inch Gatling cannon. You know, it's not the biggest deal. It's That's still covering like 60% of the table, whereas before it's not even half. That's a huge proportion change. So you could definitely see Redemptors back on the table. Yeah. Sure. There's, like there's because the board is changing, this goes back to what I was saying earlier. It's not just the it's not just chop a foot off. It's trying to understand all those little changes. Units like swooping hops, for example, that like to deep strike in on the far flanks and play some little skirmish battles on the side. That role might simply not even exist anymore. Hmm. Which means swooping hops will have to change their functionality or just they won't be taken competitively. Or things that are shorter range, that 24-inch, 18-inch, 30-inch range bracket, that's more like the equivalent, the modern-day 8th edition equivalent of like having a 36-inch range gun. A 36-inch range gun in 8th is a lot better than a 30-inch range gun in 8th or a 24-inch range gun in 8th. But because the board is smaller, that's how it actually proportions out. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. 
Uh, what are your thoughts on the, uh, the Flyers and them getting not having the dumb rules anymore? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I personally really dislike Flyers. They're one of my least favorite unit types, but I'm a fan that they aren't as silly as they were where it's just like they fly in circles you can't do anything i think stack capping hit modifiers at minus one at max one of the reasons people dislike flyers at least the competitive scenes like those jerks who took all the flyers with all the different hit modifiers and you go to minus three to hit army you can't do anything to that right so captain minus one big fan um i actually liked that there was a a level of skill to planning out your flyers movement phases like for the entire game yeah um and from your opponent's perspective trying to force them this is pretty bad stuff but trying to force them to fly off the table and that was like a game within the game you were playing with your opponent yeah so i'm not the biggest fan that they've completely just removed this as the flyer can fly off yeah. but maybe there's still value to forcing the flyer to fly off because then maybe it's not shooting or something so it's not quite as punitive to the guy who's getting his flyers auto destroyed because of the wing clipped off the table and it's not so unplayable where you're just getting shot by planes for six turns either so i like that it's a nice medium here yeah yeah, do you th- so do you think we'll see more of it then? Definitely, definitely. I mean, it all comes down to points because everything's getting readjusted, but working with the points we have now, I think Flyers are better than they were for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's easy though. Just that one main rule change. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. So Dark Comedy asks, do you think Synergy will improve in the new edition or with the increase in vehicles reduce the redundancy of army compositions? That's a really interesting question. I don't know if the vehicles... Um, being better has anything to do with redundancy. Um, if anything, you might still see like if predators are well coins cost, you might just see three predators in every space room list. I don't know. And that's obviously going to be redundancy. It's not going to remove it. But I do think there's going to be more synergy within your lists because the way the detachments break down. So based on what we know, your first detachment with your warlord in it is free. And then every detachment thereafter you have to pay for, presumably um, you would have to pay more to break your codex going to allies or something like that. So if I want to just take uh, one detachment of whatever to maximize my CP, to get the best units out of that detachment, to get the most access scenes out of the detachment, I better make it a brigade or a battalion. So you're definitely going to start seeing like mono detachment, mono faction armies where everything is like, this is my Bloody Rose Sisters Brigade. This is my Katachin Brigade. This is my... Raven Guard Battalion with, you know, no other Space Marine soups added in or whatever, which you'll often see right now. Yeah. And then, of course, there's going to be an increase in synergy because your army is is one functional piece. It's all, every keyword matches each other and stuff like that. Yeah. So we have a comment here from uh, Spilnokum38. Uh, the only thing I hear is everybody get buffed while corn demons still going to be in lowest tier sadly melee will still have a hard time against all this shooting what are your thoughts on that i i think melee is in a better spot than it's ever been and i've, I've actually thought melee was fine through eighth edition but it's getting simply just better in nine this overwatch nerf is icing on the cake to be honest but the shorter table yeah you know it's just not one of the key ways armies like eldar beat melee armies is simply by playing around the the outskirts of the board just we're doing zigzags around the edges if you go catch the one thing in the one corner everything flies to the other corner you traverse like 40 more inches to go get it again and it just keeps zigzagging around you that's so much more difficult to do because the board is shorter believe me i've been playing on it it's it's a real thing you run out of board space as the other player that style doesn't really work so 
that's a huge change. Terrain density is up, like I talked about, and you have new terrain rules. So if you have something like this Trigon, for example, who's, I don't know, eight inches tall, weird spikes floating everywhere, he can't be shot if he's behind a piece of terrain that's five inches or taller because it just obscures it. That's just a fundamental rule now. So that opens up a lot of play. In your exact example of Corn Demons, Bloodthirsters just happen to hit that magic number of 16 wounds. It's the perfect place to be able to hide behind a wall, not being over 18 wounds, and benefit a lot from it because a Bloodthirster is very grandiose with its pose. There's wings flapping everywhere, a giant axe, whip. It's, it's not trying to be inconspicuous at all. So being able to hide this model behind terrain is a huge boon to your army. You know, uh, Rob Symes and I, we talked about that a little bit last week about specifically the Bloodthirster and how the the lore of the character does not match his functionality in the game. And uh, yeah. that that I'm very excited for that, that one in particular, just because uh, I have a bunch of Bloodthirsters that I haven't fielded in a long time because they, they, they suck. <laughs> like, you bring them on, they, they die every time. Like, they just, like, they Demons used to be my army. I played them exclusively through 6th edition and 7th edition. And I just have hated what's happened to them through 8th. So I'm really, really hoping 9th revitalizes my love for them a little bit. And it's funny because you, you see their individual data sheets. And you're like, man, look at the cool damage output. Look, look at their cool abilities. And then just the, the, the framework of the game just didn't lend itself well to the to the unit. Right. Yeah. Well, th there's... There's a simplicity to the way line of sight works right now. If you see it, you can shoot it. But what I hate about that is that it punishes you as a player for taking modeling liberties and making these cool poses and doing all that stuff. I don't want to get punished as a player because I put my guy on a tall rock or because I modeled my axe sticking up instead of down. The example I gave in my last podcast was competitive custodies players. They love to run their Dawn Eagle jet bike dudes. And when you buy that box, there's two ways to pose the arms. You can pose it with the lance sticking up, or you can pose it with the lance stabbing you. Yeah. And competitively speaking, with an 8th edition, it's literally always better to have them pointing, stabbing you. So all these custodians bikes would be monopose stabbing you instead of sticking up like they're marching to battle. Yeah. And I don't like that at all. I don't like the monopose thing. But all of a sudden, your custodians is three inches tall, or you can't hide behind anything, and your opponent's shooting the spear of your bike and killing your entire army. So it's... I hate that the rules punished you for doing stuff like that. Right. So I'm really glad they've done something just for that. So uh, Dark Comedy asks, uh, with the possible increase in command points for detachments, do you not think shooting armies uh, will have better Overwatch like with Tau or the Patau melee weapons have less models slash wounds before actually engaging? So are, are, I'm trying to understand that question. Are they saying? Are they asking? Is Overwatch better because there's more ways to get it on fives, or what's the? I'm trying to it? deduce the question uh, as well. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, do you not think uh, shooting armies will have a better Overwatch? Uh, melee will have less models wounds before actually engaging. I don't think shooting armies will have better overwatch relative to now just because you have to choose this unit is going to be the one that overwatches and this is the time it overwatches so while overwatch for any one specific unit may legitimately be more powerful because you have access to five plus overwatch more readily uh, i think there's some terrain rules that got released today if like holding your position or something you overwatch on fives 
that is useful. Like, you know, you put that on 10 intercessors and they overwatch you on fives, that's going to suck for whatever they're charging, especially if they got a chapter master by nearby for rerolls to hit. But you think about it in terms of a practical approach as a general. You can sacrifice a unit of guardsmen, like I said, to charge into those intercessors or scouts or your gaunts, whatever have you, some cheap chaff. They can choose to spend their command point to overwatch that unit. They'll overwatch it pretty hard. You might lose your scouts or your guards or whatever. But now they can't simply just overwatch the next thing that charges them. You can use that as overwatch fodder so that your Carnifex can get into these intercessors free of scathing and just kill them all. Uh, Nick, a question for you. Uh, understandable if you don't answer, but mm-hmm. uh, we have some questions in the chat, which I want to know as well. Are you an official playtester? I am not a playtester. Okay. Um, no ambiguity there. <laughs> uh, which, if you were, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, uh, and and it's interesting because to hear you talk, I don't think I'd know either way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I am friends with a lot of the playtesters, but they don't give me any insider information. I think that's breaching their NDA. But yeah. um, it's people ask me that quite a lot. I'm just not a playtester. Yeah. Uh, you know, which which is interesting. I, I guess uh, why not? You know, that's my question. Right. Well, if, if there's that is not for me to answer either, unfortunately, I don't have the magic answer to that one. <laughs> if there is anyone that could uh, break the game or the new rule set, uh, you know, there's there's few uh, on this planet that would do a a job that you would. Just in my personal opinion, uh, yeah. So, so do you think? Do you guys think they will fix the power fist? Fix the power fist. Interesting question. Uh, uh, by that, I assume you mean no one takes the power fist because it's just like not that great of a weapon. It's okay. Um, certain factions do take power fists better than others. For example, Space Wolves, they give themselves plus one to hit, so they don't suffer the penalty to taking that power fist nearly right. as harshly. Yeah. It's also Space Wolves are a melee oriented Marine army, so you'll see power fist there. Same with Blood Angels. Blood Angels specifically don't take power fist because they already have plus one to wound. They don't need to wound on twos and then plus one. Right. So I don't think they're going to change power fists or power weapons or swords or axes or whatever power, whatever, any weapon to be taken as a staple of every Marine army or every faction that can get it. I don't think that's what they're trying to do. I think they want to give the Imperial Fists reasons to play the Heavy Bolters. I think they want to give Space Wolves the reasons to play Power Fists, Blood Angels the reasons to play Power Swords, etc. like that. So I am i don't think that it needs fixing, to be honest. Maybe you could point to just a little better, maybe give it a different rule set if Combat 9th Edition works differently. But it's right now it's a niche weapon that shouldn't be taken by every unit because it's so points efficient. That's back in the terms of 5th Edition when every single squad that could took a missile launcher and a melt gun yeah. I didn't like that. I don't think anyone liked that. The unit diversity and having a specific purpose for units makes a lot more sense to me from an elitist standpoint of a Marine Army. Also for an aesthetic standpoint, too. Just uh, in a lore standpoint, there's certain armies, like your Salamanders, as you were saying, and the Flamers, right? There's a certain weapon yeah. that they gravitate to. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, okay, so let's see. This is a question from Ben Miller. Hi, Dave and Nick. I was wondering if you were worried about armies having more tanks than troops in ninth aesthetically. I like the aesthetic of armies right now with a balance of troops and tanks so i think this goes a lot more to the mission design of ninth and this is one of the fundamental things i love about ninth and the direction gw is headed the missions are now incorporated into the game design just as the terrain is gw recommends you play with these missions they play with this right now of course they've always given missions and given rule rules for terrain they've slapped those on 
to the rules, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like they start with, here's the moment shooting assault phase, here's how it all works. Then it's like, here's a mission you can play these rules in. Or you could just kill each other. Now, and this is what they said, they're starting with the missions as the win conditions. Just like, how do you play chess? No one says you play chess by saying, this is how you move your pawns, your queens, your rooks, your knights. They say the object of the game is to kill the king. Yep. They're starting the 40K from the same exact mentality this is how you win 40k this is then how you use your units to win to play 40k so i'm glad they've done that paradigm shift in their mentality or at least they're starting to so to answer your question i think based on the one mission they previewed with objective progressive scoring being based on how many objectives you hold relative to your opponent as it currently stands vehicles don't really hold objectives too spectacular they're not obsec they're not troops assuming that's still a thing they are one model, assuming it's number of models, one objectives. That's the same way. So it's really easy to just contest or steal an objective from a vehicle. So you're still going to need a lot of troops to play the mission, which is ultimately the win condition. Now, of course, if you just play like super casual 40k, we'll see who wins, who has more models left at the end of the game. Yeah, vehicle spam is going to probably destroy your opponent, but that's not how 40k is meant to be played. Right. Uh, Murat Ferguson says, how strong do you see the Black Templars, especially in terms of what is already known in 8th edition, they used to be the worst Space Marine chapter? So, if, I, I think they're going to get a large buff because they're a close combat-oriented Marine chapter, and like I've been saying this entire time, combat-oriented armies are going to get a huge buff from this new rule set. They don't really have too much that separates them from the other combat marine chapters in a really positive way. I'm not trying to be negative here, but like Blood Angels, Space Wolves, White Scars all have very unique and powerful tools. White Scars has advanced and charge army-wide and some really amazing abilities that prevent fallback like Master of Snares. Blood Angels have deep striking and charge with incredible reliability. Space Wolves just hit you so freaking hard like, <laughs> so hard yes. black templars they do a jack of all trades approach where it's like we have slightly larger units of neophytes and scouts mixed in together or neophytes and initiates rather they have some anti-psyker stuff but at the cost of not taking librarians that's kind of a wash a very sisters-esque in that regard they reroll charges that's not nearly as useful as just 3d6 charges or advancing and charging because they've taken this middle ground approach they're not as specialized as any of those three other Space was bunny just white scars, which is why you typically don't see them. But they will get a buff simply because they are an assault marine army, and those will just get better. Yeah. So someone had a, a comment about uh, bringing Corn Demonkin back, uh, and you know, okay, this is I obviously have nothing to base this off of, but I I'm gonna just go out on a limb and say that GW was waiting for this edition to release the new Corn Demonkin or World Eaters Codex because it just lends itself so much better to close combat. That might be the truth, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. If it's true, then I would be very happy. If it's not Me true, too. then I'm wrong, right? But uh, it, but I think, like, I hope. I hope that this edition, that some point, hopefully, uh, maybe not necessarily right away, because the brand new armies at the beginning of an edition aren't necessarily uh, the best that they could be. It's just they're new, therefore they feel like they're the best, but it's... It seems to be that there's a rhythm that they get into, and then uh, in the middle of an edition, that's kind of when the the stuff comes out where it's like, yep, they've gotten to the groove of releasing the armies and how all the rules interact with each other. Uh, so that's where I hope that Corn Demon is released. Just gonna put that yeah. out there in the universe. 
I'm with you. <laughs> it used to be an army. They took it away for some reason. Didn't bring it back for an entire edition. I'm hopeful. Right. Chaos is getting a lot of love right now. So hopefully. It is, I mean, that's true. Chaos is getting a whole lot of love. Um, didn't mean to go all Zeppelin on you, but. Uh... <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. But no. Chaos it... is, you know, one of my favorite factions. I've played demons for years, like I said. So I'm all in favor of any support there. So what what are your thoughts on the uh, the new or the uh, the little bit of uh, War of the Spider that's been posted on the Warhammer community? So um, I haven't super duper followed it all, but I've heard Death Guard are going to be spectacular, and from what I've seen, I completely agree. Just bananas, um, just bananas. Just, yeah. just you know, they in Eighth Edition they put out Death Guard as like the poster child. They're in the start collecting, or they're in the starter set. Yeah. They, like one of the first codexes released, and they really missed the mark. Unfortunately, Death Guard, beautiful models, got fully expanded fluff, a new range of Primark, but none of their rules were up to par throughout the entire the edition. Like you could make them work because they're really durable. You could play them; they're a good starter army, which is, makes sense in the start through the intro to forty k set. Yeah, but. Um, from that higher level competition, they just didn't do enough. So I'm really glad to see that they are kind of fixing those issues now in ninth days. Yeah, I hope to see another box set come out where uh, uh, Corn is, you know, world leaders is, is the faction that they're fighting against. Yeah, yeah. I want to see like a Corn Demonkin esque release for Slanish. They keep doing like these little small just things like white dwarf little updates for slanish with like the contorted epitome and the new keeper secret stuff and that's cool but i want to see like a legitimate slanish codex that's my favorite one <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh okay so what does that say about my personality <laughs> <laughs> uh let's see blood angels outriders are going to be mental it says a face yeah user. So it entirely depends on um how much CP that costs to take. You could run just an Outrider for sure and have like six fast attack slots, but then you'll only have up to, I believe, three troop choices, which is okay. Two elites, Blood Angels, Sanguinary Guard, and Ancients, they're both elites. You're going to Death Company, the elites are very where it's at. Yeah. So you could take a Battalion to unlock all those elites or a Vanguard and an Outrider, but then you're paying a lot of CP for that second detachment. So how much CP are you willing to spend to unlock unit slots and then when you buy cp spend cp to unlock unit slots which is essentially what the new system is force organization slots i should say that's blood angels are a very cp intensive army they want to be using upon wings of fire they want to make their captain's death company they want to buy relics and warlord treats fight twice descent of angels all that stuff none of that's free that's all cp intensive and then you're buying the ability to take your units in the first place you're going to run out of cp real quick yeah. So there's definitely going to be a nuance to the list of construction, just as there is now. Taking enough battalions and brigades to let you fuel your army with command points currently versus not taking such a, a specific set of detachments like an Outrider at the cost of CP. You know, like what is the correct balance there? Do you, are you a fan of the, the new CP system? I think overall, yeah, I have to see how the whole thing shakes out. I only know so much right now. But it makes sense where it's like, I don't want... Right now, you're literally rewarded. You get CP for taking a detachment of an Imperial Fist Captain and three Thunderfires and just slotting that into another army. Why Why is taking something like that literally giving me CP? Like, why can't... Well, that, that should cost me something. It right. just doesn't. Yeah. 
I like it too. I'm a fan of mono armies or mono detachments rather. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I think it'll just help with that. I think it's, I think before it's so hard to see this because you're, it's what we're accustomed to, but I think the current system is backwards in a way. And when I see this new system, I'm like, Oh, how could I have not figured that out in the past three years? John Smith asks, I haven't played since 7th edition. How are the Eldar in the new edition, or how do you think they will work? I think Eldar is going to have to fundamentally change their playstyle. Uh, I mean, Eldar has many, many different playstyles, but um, one of the more common ones is like where you take a bunch of flying vehicles and just flying units and skirt around the table and hide like pretty pansy elves and shoot the <laughs> other guy to death. I know, I know. Um, <laughs> I, that's just not really going to work. I, in fact, for my coaching streams, I tried taking like a very, fairly stereotypical Eldar list and flying around the outskirts of the table and shooting my opponent's army to death. And I ran out of board space really quick. And there's a lot of terrain on the table, so you could hide really well. And it sucked. Yeah. So there's a lot of ways to play Eldar aggressively and more proactively, taking things like Azurman and Dire Avengers to get them all four Benvol, taking things like Shining Spears, allying Harlequins. Dark Eldar, all of that is a much more let's scrum it up in the middle play style, which is what ninth is going to require of you. Yep. Um, but I think that I'm going to prissy around the edges, all pansy like. I think that's gone. That's good. Which is great. Which yeah. is great. Yeah, because it, it, a... it does not reward you for doing that anymore. Uh, okay, so John Chavez says uh, for Nick, which faction do you think is least likely to get new models in ninth? I, I imagine they'll give every faction something at some point. They're very rarely never going to give a faction models. That said, the Tyranid and Genius Dealer Cult super faction, the Hive Mind, they haven't gotten a new model in I don't know how long. I'm pretty sure they didn't get a single new model in 3th edition. So, oh no, Genius Dealer Cult did. They got a new book. But uh, yeah. Tyranids didn't get any love. 3 edition. That was very... I have a full tier to me. I'm very sad about it right now. There's so I would love to support there. But like model-wise, I guess, is what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Well, model-wise, like, every unit that Tyrants had access to is the same units that units that Tyrants had access to in 7th. They never got new units. Like, Admech has 85 new units in the past 8th edition. Like, Tyrants didn't get any. So, I'm not... I, I can't predict the future. I don't know who's going to be least likely to get units, but I would really appreciate Tyrants getting some love. It's about time the Chaos players get the five codexes GW has been promising us for 30 years. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, We're almost there. <laughs> we have three out of five, I think. Yeah, isn't that what we have? Like, we're just missing World Eaters and Emperor's Children. Like, that, those That's are it, yeah. just it, right? Uh-huh. Uh, and almost I, there. I mean, we had it kind of before with Corn Demican, which wasn't technically it. But... It was close. It was the right direction. <laughs> all right. Will Death Guard continue to be able to walk all over World Eaters like they normally do? Um, I think Death Guard are definitely going to be quite the force to be reckoned with, which is great. Um, but I, I don't think Death Guard right now destroy World Eaters. I think World Eaters probably, if you were to play it optimally on both ends, I would say World Eaters have the advantage there currently. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, they just have Death better Guard. damage output, you think? Yeah, a lot. I mean, Death Guard's main strength is just I'm super tough, and World Eaters are like I will overkill you, and that's yeah. part of their problem is that like they Berserkers fight ten times, they have eighteen different ways to get AP minus 
plus one, plus one, plus one, exploding sixes, death of the false number against anybody, more attacks. All that stuff is usually overkill, and their issue is getting shot on the way there. Death Guard don't really shoot too hard, so you're not concerned about making it there. And when you do get there, it's not like you're overkilling because Death Guard are tough. It's like, oh, I actually get to use all this damage my weapon brings. I'm going to kill this Plague Marine now. Just the way the two armies would normally interact, I'd say, that world leaders are currently advantaged. Riven Fang says, Did I make a mistake by getting into Thousand Suns? I started the army just prior to the announcement of Ninth. It's hard to say, because we don't know anything as far as points ago, but I would say Thousand Suns are perfectly fine going through Ninth. The Psychic Phase is just a great tool that very few armies really have play in, like to the level that Thousand Suns do, rather, and having control and domination over that is really good. And that new, or not so new anymore, Psychic Awakening that Thousand Suns got with the nine different cults, and like they've done a lot to support Rubik Marines, and Rubik Marines are legitimately a good unit for once. Yeah. So that is awesome for Thousand Suns and leads well into ninth. Like I've been saying, you need something durable to be able to kind of box with your opponent in the middle of the table, hang out in the middle and scrum it up to hold the objectives. You can't just sit on the edges and shoot the other guy and play at arm's length anymore. So having a super durable OBSEC troop unit that is good and can teleport and potentially heal itself and all kinds of good stuff. That is very, very useful. I remember them stating that, hold on one second. Uh, so Norbert Lydanyi says, maybe uh, it says WG have given for Death Guard for so many stratagems. GW, maybe GW has given Death Guard so many stratagems because of ninth edition or not. 21 stratagems, huge. Yeah, I don't know why they have so many stratagems, but uh, I, I don't think that's ninth edition specific, is my guess. GW has always been very uneven with their stratagem or just attention distribution. For example, you could look at the Psychic Awakening for Gene Stealer Cult or Dark Eldar. A better example is Dark Eldar. Like Dark Eldar and Eldar came out next to each other in the same exact book, like pages 80 through 85 of Dark Eldar, pages 85 through 120 are Eldar. You know, like Eldar got six different aspect warriors, got a new thing. Then they got new custom traits. Then they got a new psychic table. Then they got another new thing. Dark Eldar just got custom traits. So equality is not GW's strong suit. No. And if Jethkar got 21 strats, I don't think there's anything to be gleaned in there as far as what that means for the rest of the game. That just means Deathguard got 21 strats. I think there's no such thing as precedent when it comes to GW. Yeah, I'll agree with that 100%. Uh, do you think the Crusade system will fully take the place of Path to Glory? I completely missed that question. Sorry, what was it? Have you played Path to Glory? Just out of curiosity. Nope. Okay, so... <laughs> uh, well, I play a lot of Path to Glory. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I guess I'll take this one. With the Crusades, which you know, uh, we both know, is the, the kind of the narrative way of upgrading your army, right? Where the... Uh, mm -hmm. The sergeant becomes the lieutenant, becomes the captain, becomes the entered dude in a sarcophagus of a. Oh, uh, I heard about all this. So this, that, I think that's, cool. Th that's yeah. cool, right? Narratively, story wise. That's so cool. I love it. I love it. Like, that's, that's cool. not the way I play 40K, but I can definitely appreciate it. That is a cool thing. Uh, so that's the new way, right? Uh, Path to Glory is there was a chart that you would roll on. You would start out with uh, three plus D3 units, and you could either do it randomly or you deliver it more fun to do it randomly because it helps you grow your army and actually collect models and there was a chart it was originally built for just chaos space marines 
you would roll on the chart and then you would get a new unit and you would add every week another unit and you would fight against other people in a campaign and it's designed for like four players you could play it with less but four players each one representing a different chaos god and then you collect favor points you win a game you get d3 favor points otherwise you collect one favor point for just showing up to the battle right first one at 10 favor points becomes a demon prince and if you win a battle as a demon prince you win the campaign so uh in my opinion the crusade won't replace that because that's chaos specific there isn't a generalized path to glory like there is an aos and aos is a generalized path to glory where all armies can participate in a upgrade system like that whereas crusade feels like a general upgrade system for all the 40k armies so i don't think it'll replace it uh, but i guess we'll soon see right yeah i mean more rules why not well i don't understand why anything has to replace it like just do both if you want to do both uh, okay, so Josh Olinger says, uh, "What with points costs increasing, is it worth it to take the Storm Shield captains and other HQ slash elites units with Storm Shields from the new box?" Without knowing how much Storm Shields are increasing value, it is impossible to accurately answer that question. Unfortunately, yeah, that's that's a toughie. I think all the speculatory questions are are tough. Yeah, there, there's an element of speculation that you can kind of use context clues and use your brain to figure it out that's just that's information i just don't have uh so somebody says necron warriors are rumored to go back to 12 points so up one point could this mean the reset is back to codex points um what do you mean oh they've they started at 12 and then they went to 11 and they're going back to 12 i highly doubt that like entirely doubt that they specifically got codexes incorrect and then adjusted with chapter proved because they've added literally thousands of playtesters once the world started playing the codexes so no handful of playtesters gonna hit that right um i think that is again there's no precedent to what gw does that just happens to be coincidental bill morlock says also i hope every army feels strong and get something new except the tau <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for your Tau hate. I am here for it. And I, I would agree with that as well. Chad Taylor says, with its cost increasing and table sizes changing, do you think we will be seeing more 3,000-point games? No, I think this is very deliberate for GW. If if they wanted the same amount of stuff to have on the table, they would have not changed points or table size. They specifically want the game to be faster and more approachable. So I expect... The game to still be played 2000. I think they've already said that 2000 is the standard of which 40k is meant for match play at least. Yep. Then the new table size and all that is just going hand in hand with the more expensive units. You're going to have hour and a half to two hour games, not three hour games, which is great for so many reasons. That's going to be interesting from a filming perspective because there's a lot of the filming that just it, it, the time is taken up doing stuff like the Overwatches and uh, yeah definitely and heck even the movement right like uh, the smaller table that'll just cut it by a bit uh, yeah you basically have an extra turn there where it's just moving well i've also found and i've only played i haven't played ninth edition but i played a handful of games on the smaller tables with some of the new rules that we know and i find that the games are decided much faster like around turn three you can clearly decide who the winner is really it's like eighth you know it can be back and forth the whole way through and that might just be we haven't cracked the code, we haven't figured out really how everything interacts when we're trying stuff out. But in the 
the handful of games I played so far, it is it's not over, but it is you could determine the winner by turn three. Now, is that uh, was that mission specific? Were you doing? No, I'm not even basing it off the mission. Like mission wise, I might even like let's say I'm playing my buddy John, who was one of my coaches on Art of War, and like we play the game this Sunday on our Twitch channel where we're using the new vehicle rules and more table size. And mission wise, we're playing the current ITC missions. If those of you are familiar, uh, and I was holding pace on the mission, no problem. Like we were, scoreboard wise, it was pretty even. But then, as far as the amount of stuff left alive going into just turn four, I barely had anything left, and he had the, uh, most of his army. So it's just like, even though it's close right now, or I might have been ahead by turn three, I don't know. There's no way I maintain that lead for three more turns. I'm getting my butt kicked by the end of it. So that's what I mean by you can determine the winner. Okay, I see. Uh, which, if that is the case as a blanket rule, like in general, you can mostly tell that, uh, to me, as a more so of a narrative player... Uh, or mm-hmm. a casual gamer, uh, I should say. And uh, my goal being to create the most back-and-forth close game throughout the whole thing. I see that being uh, a challenge for me. Uh, it could be. It could be. We're also playing what we believe to be, like, top-level competitive lists. So sometimes okay. they're they're very potent. Right. And if a small mistake can just end the game instantly. So, I, and again, this is the wrong mission set. We're playing 8th edition myth missions in a 9th edition setting with only right. some of the 9th edition rules and some of the 8th edition rules. I'm playing game of 40k that doesn't actually exist. Right. So take it all with a grain of salt. Makes sense. So what is your opinion on only 10 play testers for 9th? Personally, I don't feel that is enough of a test pool to find all the flaws, says Grim, the Grim Dork. I mean, this is not so much a GW playtesting question as more just like a philosophy on team management. So larger your team is, and I went to business school and studied management, so not the most qualified, but I have something to say here. Um, a larger team, more brains, more ideas floating around, but it's harder to actually make decisions because you're going to have different people on different sides disagreeing and communication becomes difficult. Having a small elite team does lead you a lot more to groupthink and just things being missed because in a game of 40 there's so much vast knowledge and so many rules to check and learn and stuff. You're going to miss something with a small team, but at least you can be effective with your execution on stuff. So if is 10 the right number for the balance factor? No, but there is such a thing as too many cooks in the kitchen as well. It's almost like the 300 Spartans. Yeah. It's like, okay, no what would you what would you rather do? Do you have a million playtesters or 300? Right, right, exactly. Uh, so G- GW has said that uh, detachments are changing. What if we'll have some core ones in the rulebook and then the codexes have faction-specific ones? That's kind of more along the lines of 7th edition with the, uh, the formations, right? Yeah, I definitely don't want them to go back to formation land um because that got wonky would, that got wonky really that, quick that got out of control real fast but i would not be suppo- opposed to like different factions having specific detachments like custodies for example they don't really fit into the standard battalion brigade that the game fits into you know like the forget battalions and brigades for such an elite army is really really hard to do so maybe give them a specific detachment that they can play on uh, Dark Eldar had that. They did. They have introduced it. They have like a raiding force or something for like their Cabalites. You can even take it in match play. It's terrible, competitively speaking, but it exists. And so, as a unique thing on a one-off to solve specific issues, I don't hate it whatsoever as an idea. It's just the execution needs to be much more elegant 
and nuanced than here's 25 formations. Yeah, I can agree with that. I think that it would be my preference for sure. Uh, let's see here. Orcs is best. Agree or agree? <laughs> agree. <laughs> okay. All right. Given the options there. Uh, question with the new buffs to vehicles that do you think a counter to them would be? Uh, so what's a good counter to the vehicle buffs? Um, there's two ways you can really approach it, I think. You could try to outlive the vehicles, because ultimately vehicles don't do anything to really help you achieve your objectives and play the mission. They are just a tool, generally speaking, to just kill your enemy faster. So you could fight fire with water and be like, if this is a tool that you're taking to shoot me, I'm going to hide behind the wall and survive. You know, that kind of thing. Or you could fight fire with fire and just take your own vehicles, or if not vehicles, take your own units capable of killing vehicles and just see who dies first. So Dave and Nick, how do you feel demon engines will fare now with changes to firing in close combat and no penalties to move with Chaos Space Marine finally be able to shy away from Forge World world units to compete? I think demon engines are getting a lot better. That's that's all vehicles across the game are getting a lot better. I'm I think plague burst callers in specificity are going to be the biggest winner of all those demon engines. But um, why those ones specifically? They are the type of unit that wants to drive forward, really appreciates not suffering the penalty to hit on its mortar thing, and then can make good use of its flamers in close combat if it does happen to get tagged. They're they're already a good unit in eighth edition, competitively speaking, and they have limitations, and this directly counters all those limitations. So someone has a general question here. Sean and Sam plays, are the Space Marines in 9th edition starter box ultramarine specific, or can they be used for other chapters? They can be used however you want. Yes. Uh, I personally see Blood Angels when I see them. Uh, <laughs> you don't see Corn Berserkers? Uh, well, there is that too. <laughs> I figured you would see Corn Berserkers waiting to be converted. <laughs> <laughs> by by the way, they need new Corn Berserker models, which they're going to be coming out with those with the new uh, release of the of the Codex, of course, right? Yeah, of course. Stop. You heard it here first, guys. <laughs> uh, uh, blast weapons and firing into combat mean more defy, Dave. Yes, absolutely. For Chaos Defiler, it definitely means more. No more penalty than moving and shooting and shooting with the stuff except for his battle cannon. But you can't have everything. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Tau didn't get tuner fed. Don't see why they can't use the Overwatch ability once the CP is spent since it's an ability that's triggered from Overwatch. Uh, well, ooh. I mean, you're currently sort of right. We don't know how... The mechanics of ninth edition work like overwatch may simply just not be real probably won't be if this stratagem exists so tau could very well have an entire page describing how the overwatch that doesn't ex apply tonight then will require a giant faq to fix and this is what happens when you have rules written for this edition transferring to ninth edition or whatever happens you know some things just don't make sense within the context of the new mechanics and they just need to be answered right you gotta wonder if a, a good strategy would be, and obviously this is a horrible strategy in terms of a business and making money with selling codexes and releases and whatever. But it, let's say hypothetically in, in a perfect world where they drop ninth edition 
And at the same time, they update every single codex and they just release it all at the same time. That yeah. that would iron out a lot of these, a lot of the need for FAQs. Uh, well, it would definitely iron out the need for like, this rule doesn't matter FAQs, but there's always going to be rules you just miss. Like they've gotten in the habit, or at least they were for a while, of releasing a codex and two weeks later releasing an FAQ to fix all the crap they missed the first time. That's still going to be there, no matter how you slice it. But that's just unrealistic also because Games Workshop is trying to make money more than just once every four years. So Chris Brown says, uh, what are your thoughts on Horde units being classified as six models or more? I'm a Nids player and love big swarms and feel they should be from like 12 or more models. Well, there's two different classifications. There's the six or more or the 11 or more. Six or more just means your opponent gets an automatic three hits on you. And not to downplay that, that's not insignificant, but like D6 shot weapons, majority of blasts, they were probably already going to roll three shots. So minimum three, it, it, it's going to be a little more painful, but not really that much more painful. And then 11 plus models is where you get max six shots, and that's really going to hurt for armies like Nids. But in your specific example, you've cited 12 instead of 11. Is that really any different functionally? Like, units are like 30 nids big, not 11 or 12 big. True. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Jump infantry will be good because the terrain and because the smaller battlefield. Yes. Uh, okay. So, how do we feel Forge World will be impacting the game in ninth? Uh, it could. Again, it's going to come all down to the points and stuff. Forge World is a vast array of units, so I don't expect all things in Forge will just be better than all the stuff in the game, the normal game, and I don't think all things in Forge will be worse. It's just like it is now. Some stuff will be better, some stuff will be worse, I'm sure. Okay, so here's a here's a big one. Small question, but big question. What do you expect to see from Dark Angels, Blood Angels, Space Wolves in 9th edition? Uh... That is a very hard question to answer. Yeah, it's, I mean, very, it's a very general, broad... Yeah. Um, well, Blood Angels and Space Wolves are both combat marine armies, and as I've said many times in this video, that I think that combat armies are getting a buff, and combat marines are probably going to get more support with these new Primaris assault dudes and the bike stuff. So assuming it's all pointed appropriately, I think, you know, thumbs up. Dark Angels, they always typically struggle to find an identity within the edition um, I wrote an article about that just the other week on the Art of War page. But um, we'll have to wait and see. They have an identity now. Deathwing Knights are great. Their characters like Sam Hill and the Town Masters are amazing. They have real cool tricks. If that's still cost appropriately and relevant relative to what's good, by all means, Archangels continue to do that. But failing that, maybe that stuff is overcosted or not quite good. I don't know what Dark Angels are going to do. We'll have to wait and see. Here's a statement. See what you get. What you think on the statement? We, excuse me. We better have less codex compliance going forward. What do you think about that statement? Less codex compliance, as in you don't have to use the codex. I'm not sure what you mean by codex compliance. I'm not quite sure what that means either. If I were to guess, it would be we better have less codex compliance. Like, I don't have to comply with my codex? 
like the rules of the edition supersede the rules in the old codex maybe i don't know um i guess we we would have to understand the question better in order to answer it adequately <laughs> i i don't know i don't i don't quite know what that is <laughs> okay uh next question uh oh john smith says what change to overwatch did i miss all right let's we maybe we can recap that sure sure so basically overwatch you don't just get to do overwatch now overwatch is a one cp strategy you pick a unit when it's getting charged then you make an overwatch attack at it and then there's ways terrain interacts with that too so you could be like defending your position if you're on terrain which will you overwatch on fives potentially so then you still have to pop that stratagem to use the overwatch ability but when you do it might be more powerful it's a cool strange it just makes it so not every unit always does overwatch as a default yes and uh, as we said before uh, it'll help speed up the game because it's not like every useless unit that doesn't is never going to do anything. Like here's my Rhino overwatching. Like, come on, just don't roll. <laughs> right, right, literally. But it still gives like the tower, the tower player, or the Centurion player, with all these the unit that legitimately has powerful Overwatch. You can spend your resources and make use of that really powerful tool. Here's a question for you: uh, Do you feel like Jukari are losing their identity? with many of these changes so far, vehicles in particular? No, I think Dark Eldar are actually doing really well this edition, from what we've seen. I actually um, interviewed Archon Skari, who's one of the more better-known Dark Eldar players out there. I think he's been on Mini Wargaming as well. Um, and he, we just had him on the Art of War podcast, and he broke down his thoughts on that edition and how Dark Eldar fits into it. So that is live for our patrons right now, and on Monday it'll be live for everybody else. But he gave me a lot of great ideas for Dark Elder. I think they're going to be in fine shape. Uh, here's a question. Uh, how do you think uh, the 40k universe story in 9th edition will progress? A second great war between Primaris and Firstborn? This is definitely a question, Dave. <laughs> uh, okay, I, I would actually think that that would be phenomenally awesome if it turned to that. If it became as big as the the horse that would be heresy. really cool from a fluff perspective i don't know if it's a second great war but i would be down for that can you imagine that can you imagine like all primaris versus all standard and the possibility and like this is going out on a limb but the possibility of some loyalist chapters teaming up with some traitor legions yeah fighting against it. the primaris we, we lose like white scars or something like that or dark angels actually turns i mean it could you, be so cool. you know what i think you i'm gonna have to agree with that it would have to be a matter of they would turn to chaos because it yeah. wouldn't go the other way around it would have to be that right right that, that could be really cool stuff yeah i think that'd be neat uh, certainly an awesome idea for a narrative campaign <laughs> uh thunderhawk at 1500 points that's like 10 russes I know what I'd rather have. What would you rather have? I I don't know what a Thunderhawk does. So I'm going to go with 10 Russes because 10 is bigger than one, but I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so we'll, we'll finish off with this last question. And this is a general competitive question. What do you think is the competitive Space Marine chapter? I mean, I think most of them can be used very effectively right now. I think Raven Guard kind of outclasses the others currently, 
I don't expect them to last through the addition change, at least not in the style that they do. Right now, it's kind of, competitively speaking, you just take a lot of Centurions because they're really undervalued for what, how good they are or under cost for how good they are. Yeah. So simple points change. Centurions go from 52 points a model to 70. And all of a sudden, you don't take 18 of them. You take maybe zero, maybe six. I don't know. And Raven Guard have to redefine their place in the meta. So we'll have to wait and see. But currently, I would see Raven Guard. Yeah, from what I've seen, uh, I would have to uh, have to lean towards that as well. Because I haven't seen a whole lot of competitive, but I have seen just casual. And even in the casual, it's like, don't play these guys. They're just going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Don't get me wrong. Raven Guard are definitely not unbeatable. But I could definitely see someone who is not studied on how to beat them just getting run over. Yeah. Well, thanks very much, Nick, for uh, tuning in with us and being a guest again on the Shrine of Chaos. Always, Dave. Thank you for having me. Anytime. And for those of you who are wanting to check out Nick's channels, uh, particularly his website, The Art of War, 40K Art of War, right? Is that it? Theartofwar40k.com. Uh, where he does coaching. He and a, a team of coaches, actually, uh, they, they coach uh, 40K. So I guess that's good for competitive players and good for even just beginner 40K. Uh, any player, really, could benefit from, from coaching, mm -hmm. even if you just want to I've coached... Coach, uh... There was a dude who like came to my house and I coached him for like four hours because he wanted to beat his one buddy. He only plays his one friend. Nice in their garage every week, and he's like, "I can't beat him. I want to beat him." And like, you know, that's as casual as it gets. But I coached him through that, and now that he won, awesome. That's see, <laughs> that, that. See, that's what I would do it for. Uh, <laughs> and uh, heck, maybe I should uh, throw it out to you and see what you guys in the comments think about this, and see what you think about this. Because uh, uh, just as a personal grudge match. My Chaos Space Marines haven't beaten Matt's Tyranids. Uh, like other armies, yes, but that doesn't count because Chaos Space Marines is like my army and Tyranids are his army. Mm -hmm. And so uh, maybe I should get your coaching for that, Nick. I, I, I could help you out with that, Dave. It's definitely <laughs> a thing. <laughs> maybe we should make a series about it. Uh, I think we should. I'm just saying. <laughs> would, would you guys watch that? That's the question. Would you watch... Would you watch a series of Nick coaching me specifically with my Chaos Space Marines to beat Matt's Tyranids? Would you watch that? I would watch that. <laughs> I would watch that. <laughs> uh, and it would show, like, it would actually, we, we would include our sessions. I think that'd be neat, too. Yeah, like, like, show the process of how the coaching works, and then show you kicking the butt of the Tyranids. And then the it, it would yeah. be like, uh, you know, here's the session. This is what happened in our previous game. Uh, what, what changes should I make? What should I do? What should I focus on? Yeah, I think, I think that'd be fun. I, I think that would be fun. And, you know, I think this is certainly something that we could do in ninth edition once it hits and then it kind of settles a bit. And so, uh, all right, man. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for having me again, Dave. Okay. Thank you. Happy Wargaming, everyone. Stay tuned next week for Hi, another Shrine of Chaos.